Welcome back. Episode 3 of Money Equals M Squared, presented by Lagus Lucas and Torello Wealth Management. My name is Mike Torello, and I'm here with my co-host, Mike Lucas. Today's episode is titled Utilizing a CPA, and it's going to be our first guest episode where we have Trish Gormican, who's a CPA with Gormican PC with us. We're going to answer the questions that we get asked the most by our clients, as well as that Trish gets asked when she's meeting with a new client for the first time. Today, nothing that we talk about is a specific recommendation or financial advice, just some general knowledge to get you thinking about how you can utilize a CPA. As Mike said, we're going to answer some questions that our clients have asked us and Trish, clients has asked her. But first, let me introduce our guest for this episode, Trish Gormican. Trish is the owner of Gormican PC, which is a family CPA firm that operates in Wallingford, Connecticut. Trish and I met a bunch of years back at a local YMCA gymnastics. From there, we talked a little bit more about business. As the years progressed, our, both of our children went to Moses Y, a local school in Wallingford, as well as Mike's, and we talked more about businesses. We thought she'd be perfect for this episode. So Trish, thank you for coming, and let's, let's, let's spend a couple minutes and introduce yourself. Sure. Thanks for having me. My name is Trish Gormican. I am a certified public accountant. I operate a business called Gormican PC out of uh, Wallingford, Connecticut, and we also have a secondary office in Wellesley, Massachusetts. Um, we are a family CPA firm, like you had mentioned. Um, it is a partnership between my father and myself, um, and then we have a series of about four individuals who work for us here in Wallingford, Connecticut. So. What we're going to do today is we're going to go over some questions that our clients have asked us and hopefully you can provide some solutions and some tips for them. So these are the six questions just to kind of set the stage. Um, what should I bring for a first appointment when I'm meeting with a CPA? When do I need to hire an accountant? When should you reach out to your accountant? Not when you're filing your taxes. Um, how should retirees determine what percentage they should be withholding from their retirement account? What records should you keep and for how long? And how should working individuals determine how to fill out their tax withholding on their taxes? So let's get started with that first question. What should somebody bring the first time they meet with you and they're meeting with a CPA for the first time? Sure. Um, so the first thing you want to bring when you're meeting with a new CPA is last year's tax return. So the first thing we want to determine is to make sure that you filed last year. Um, so in this case, we're filing the 2022 taxes. So you would bring your 2021 tax return with us. So federal and state. Um, that is first used as a roadmap just to make sure that we go through and see if your um, uh, wages, your retirements, any sort of brokerage accounts that you have, that all of that's kind of listed in there and then that you would bring and put together those documents for 2022. So that's the first step. After that, I'm sure you'll have more questions. And yes. More well, we'll, meet, well, so the first meeting is always just kind of a get to know you meeting. So that's where you kind of come in, you tell us about your tax situation, and then we look through last year's tax return just to gather uh, all those documentations and say, okay, for this year, you're going to need to put together X, Y, and Z and bring these back. Um, in addition, a lot of times our first meeting is virtual. Um, so that virtual meeting is going to be, you know, through the camera, it's going to be on a Google Meet and we're gonna go through those documents and then we'll send you to our encrypted portal. The encrypted portal is really where you're gonna upload all the documentation to us to get started for that tax season. Now, one of the things you said was, you know, checking to make sure people actually filed their taxes. Is that something that happens a lot where you're meeting people and they might have filed improperly or you're seeing some red flags right away when looking at that 
last year's tax return? Yeah, unfortunately that is a big deal. Um, most of what we're just trying to glean is that you actually did your due diligence and that you filed with the federal and state so that you're in good standing. That's the first step. Um, if you didn't file last year, uh, we will go ahead and make sure that you get whole and become in good standing. So we'll file your, your last year's tax return if you need it. Um, but most of the time those people have already filed. So we're just gonna take that tax return, go through it, um, and then put together all the documents that they would need this year. The majority of the time at that first meeting, someone has the bulk of their documents and they're gonna tell you, yep, I've got my W-2, I've got retirements here, I've got this, but inevitably there's always gonna be something that's missed and they're gonna say, okay, hold on, let me put together an action items list, you're telling me I have this, how did you know I had that? Well, it's in your last year's tax return, so I just went through and we're gonna go through and, and, and talk about everything that's in there just to make sure that I understand your full situation before we get started on current year's taxes. Great, and are there any things you would say in general that most people have to put together? Like you mentioned W-2s, you mentioned last year's tax returns. What other things in general do most people have that they should put together? Yeah, so most people are always gonna have some sort of income, whether it's a W-2, which is an employee, so you would have, an, you work for someone else. If you are self-employed, you're gonna have a Form 1099, NEC, MIS, depending on what your uh, contract status is. Um, and then if you're retired, you're gonna have Social Security or you're gonna have pensions or IRA distributions. And those are Form 1099-Rs. Um, so those are basically the bulk of the income. And then the next things that you're gonna be looking for are gonna be interest statements. If you have any savings accounts that bear interest, um, you're gonna get a 1099 INT. Um, any dividends, if they're held with uh, a specific company, they're gonna get, send you a 1099 DIV statement if you have brokerage accounts like with you guys um, you would have a brokerage statement which could include 1099 INTs divs or 1099 Bs which are technically brokerage statements that are going to be capital stock transactions um, that may have happened throughout the year and then there's going to be a lot of other forms that are um, not so much income based but they're going to be more expense based so those are going to be any sort of medical um, co-pays uh, doctor's visits those types of things that you would have um, you also will have real estate taxes, you'll have auto excise taxes on your cars, the property tax that you pay to the town, um, and then you're also gonna have charitable contributions if you made any um, throughout the year. And then there's other things depending on your situation. If you have children, you may have daycare statements or camp statements, um, and then there can be a whole lot of other things that happen um, that may be one-off for your situation. Awesome, so to summarize, bring in last year's return, that'll get the ball rolling after that, just do what you say and pretty much bring in all the stuff that you can tell that's on the report. Yeah. We tell most clients, if you see something or got something in the mail that says taxes or maybe it's just financial related, um, we tell people to bring it and provide more documentation than you probably need. Anything that you provide, hard copies, at least in our office, we will go ahead and return to you when we uh, file the tax return and give you your final copy. So you'll get everything back. Um, but it's always better to give us absolutely we do the same thing right so when we're meeting with someone the first time we we sum it up if it has a dollar sign bring it right and, and that's the easiest way because you can't bring us too much worst case we just don't use it correct and i feel like when you're sitting on the other side of the table you're so panicked about having that first meeting and you want to make sure that you have everything in front of you um so you do want to kind of gather everything it does help a lot of times when we do the virtual meetings because they're technically at home so they're either in their kitchen or in their home office and they're like, oh, you need that? Give me 30 seconds. They run out of the room and they come back with the document. So it ends up making it um, easier and faster when we kind of go through stuff when they have those documents in front of them.
Perfect. And I think that, you know, technology's changed too. Like you said, you have a portal where everyone can upload that, and that keeps a, a record as well. So I think technology's helped us in a lot of areas, but it's something that I think we're excited about. See, and that's a good point that you bring up, the encrypted portal. Uh, we've been pushing that for years. A lot of times people are like, oh, it's just so much easier for me to email it over to you. Um, with identity theft, emailing is like a no-no. Do not send anything through email. You'd be surprised how many people will send us their driver's license, their W-2, everything through email. And we kind of are like, ooh, stop. Your Gmail account is not secure. Um, and identity theft is very prevalent. So we have to make sure that you're taking every precaution. We also like to tell people that the portal is a centralized location for everything that's your documents. So if you were to send me 10 emails with all different information, the likelihood of me potentially missing one of those things is there. So we want to make sure if you send it to the portal, everything that's in there we can go in and download and then all of your documentations are together. Easy enough. Great. So let's go on to the next question then. So when do you actually need to hire an accountant? So that's a good question. Um, a lot of times people reach out and say, oh, I need an accountant. And a lot of times, especially in the tax preparation, I will tell them they don't actually need an accountant. If they have a very simple situation, they have a W-2, um, you know, maybe one or two interest statements, they probably don't have the need for an accountant. And it's not cost prohibitive for me to do it. They don't want to pay me, you know, a couple hundred dollars to do their tax return when they could probably have done it on their own. Um, when you do kind of need an accountant is when something gets complicated in your situation. You're starting your own business, um, you may have a lot of stock transactions, you may get RSUs at your company, and those get confusing. Um, so that's when I would say you really want to hire an accountant when it gets a little too complex for you to handle it on your own. Okay. So you mentioned you know, starting a business, um, the restricted stocks from a company. Is there anything else that you would think of that's just complicated where kind of triggers, you know, I should I should hire an accountant? Or those, would you say those are the two most common? The two most common. Um, another one would be if you took on investment properties. So if you started to get like rental properties or something along those lines, those are kind of treated as businesses as well. It's going to be a Schedule E in your tax return. Um, so that's when it starts to get complicated. You start bringing in depreciation. Um, and again, the business is a big one. Um, a lot of people, uh, after the pandemic, we we're seeing a lot of people moving away from that traditional working for an employer, and they're now opening their own companies and doing consulting. Um, a lot of them are either going to be sole proprietors or they're going to be single member LLCs, um, which is the, the next step up from there. Um, and again, that filing is very confusing, but it's actually a Schedule C within your own tax return, in your personal tax return. So there's no separate form for that. Um, but then when you start to get into business filings and moving up into an S corporation or a C corp, that's when you definitely need an accountant. Okay, awesome. Um, moving on, you know, you had mentioned people should reach out to you n not during filing season. What are some of those events where they should reach out during non-filing season? So a lot of times we tell clients we're here, you know, 365 days a year, reach out to us when you want. Um, a lot of times they're going to reach out when there is a taxable event that happens. So they're going to be changing jobs. They have to fill out new W-4 forms. That's when you really want to connect with your accountant, make sure that your withholding is going to be sufficient for you throughout the year. Um, another time you want to reach out is, um, if, again, if you start a business, if you're going to purchase property, um, you have a child, any of those kind of will trigger something in your taxable situation. Uh, we do have a lot of clients who reach out when they're going to sell stocks um, just to make sure that they should have the withholding um, sufficient against it uh, if it's a large stock transaction. Um, a lot of times people want to reach out throughout the year just to talk, 
that's okay as well. We will gladly take those phone calls. It's just very hard to take those phone calls and have uh, you know, a good catch-up chat between the months of February and April. So what you're summarizing is, well, it's tax season and everyone's filing. Try to keep the questions at a minimum or the check-ins at a minimum, unless it's really important. Yeah, but. And, and we like to check in a lot of times with our small business owners in June and then again in October. Um, and then catch them right before the end of the year. So if they do have a lot of those questions, we can kind of get them out when they're thinking about it. Um, but again, anytime you have a taxable event, you go buy a house, something along those lines, that's when clients really generally reach out and just say, hey, just wanted to run this by you. I would rather you reach out and have a quick conversation about something than you make a mistake or not do withholding and then go through the whole year and then it becomes more of an issue than it should be. For us in our industry, when you know selling is important, there are short-term long-term so that's why we always advise our clients whenever we're making a, a sale in a non-retirement account to reach out to their account accounts so yeah. awesome. Okay, so let's take a quick break and we'll head into our community spotlight welcome to our community spotlight our community spotlight is where we take a look at the small businesses in our community and spotlight someone that we're working with closely today's spotlight is our guest Trish Gormican from Gormican PC Gormican PC is a full-service accounting firm located at 44 Fair Street in Wallingford, Connecticut, and they can be reached by emailing Trish at tgormican at gormicancpa.com. We wanted to spotlight Trish because as she's sharing this information with us, we wanted to make sure that everyone knows how they can reach out directly if they have any specific accounting needs or questions, and that we can also get in touch with Trish by reaching out to us as well. Welcome back. Again, we're here with Trish Gormican from Gormican PC. Let's get finished with our last three questions. So, Trish, how should retirees determine what they should withhold from their retirement accounts when they start taking distributions? Okay, good question. Um, so retirees definitely want to look at last year's tax return and see what their effective tax rate was. So um, there's two different things in the tax world. There is the tax brackets, which are stated, um, and those are you know, 10, 12, 22, 24 stated tax brackets, but the effective tax rate is with all of your deductions, what is your actual effective tax rate? So that's usually lower than what your tax bracket is. So what we want to do is before a retiree would take those distributions, we would see what your effective tax rate was from the year before, and that's what your withholding percentage would be at the federal, and then the state, depending on if it's a fixed rate or if it's a uh, graduated rate, whatever that is, you would take that as your uh, state rate. So then you would have two amounts, and that's what you want to withhold on your end. And I know before when we were talking, you mentioned something about charitable donations with retirees. Could you talk about that a little bit? So those are called QCDs, a qualified charitable donation. Um, what those are is in uh, retirees who are taking a required minimum distribution out of their IRAs. Basically what you want to do is if you're going to give to charity, a lot of times those charitable, don uh, those charitable donations are no longer deductible on um, an itemized uh, Schedule A form. So because the standard deduction is now so much higher, a lot of times those charitable donations that you're making did not have a tax benefit on your tax return. So what we like to tell retirees is that if you have the ability to make a QCD out of your RMD, which I realize I just used a whole bunch of acronyms for you, um, but if you have the ability to do that, it makes more of an impact and can reduce down your taxable income of what you took out for your retirement uh, distributions. What that means is in tax terms, um, if you were say to take out a requirement minimum distribution of $10,000 and you gave, let's say, 5000 of that directly to a charity, um, so talk to your broker, get the QCD set up, and send directly to the charity, 
um, that would reduce your R&D from 10,000 taxable down to 5,000 taxable. So it is in a retiree's best interest to make those charitable contributions through their IRA if possible. So basically what you're saying with that is for retirees that are at requirement distribution age mm -hmm. and they're going to donate some money to charity, we can directly donate that to the charity from the requirement distribution and that will save them some money on their taxes. Correct. And I will be very honest, a lot of people, especially the retirees, will have a list of charities that they give to every year. Um, and so basically they put that list together and in December usually they write out all of their checks to those um, charitable organizations. So this is just kind of front-loading that. If you know what you're going to give and you have that listing, you have their addresses and you do that, that's something that they can give to the broker directly. The broker can set up those payments for them and then they can either send the checks directly to the organization or sometimes directly to the um, person. Then that person can either deliver the checks themselves, hand deliver them or uh, put them in with uh, whatever voucher or whatnot they received from the charity um, to make that donation. Awesome. All right, great, Trish. I think that's helpful and it's something that needs to be planned for to get accomplished. It definitely needs to be planned for. And unfortunately, that's on the broker, you guys, uh, to handle that with them. Um, so a lot of times it will be a communication sometime throughout the year. Awesome. So, you know, obviously if you have any questions, you know, we'll reach out to us. We'll help them go through that. Mm -hmm. um, on to our next questions. Um, for, for the records aspect of taxes, um, how long should we keep them after they've been filed? So good question. The IRS's standpoint on that is that you want to keep your records for three years. So currently the uh, tax return process and the audit process is open for three years, the statute of limitations, um, with the caveat that if there's any fraud involved, they can open it indefinitely. But in a usual case scenario, I would probably keep those records for about three years. Um, and what you want to keep is a copy of your tax return, all the documents that were used to prepare that tax return, including any sort of um, charitable donations, maybe some medical donation or medical deductions, anything that you had receipt-wise that was used to prepare those numbers, I would kind of keep those all together. Um, we tell clients you can either keep the hard copy of it or you can always scan that stuff in and then keep an electronic version of it. Um, but the general rule of thumb is three years. Perfect. I know we're trying to save uh, paper nowadays, so I think a lot of people are going electronic um, you'd be surprised though, because I did talk to a client yesterday who's like, do you want my tax return back to 1986? I'm like, that is not helpful. But um, again, a lot of people do keep these things and then they're at, the, they're at their capacity, their filing cabinets are full. So the option to do it electronically is there. A lot of people may not have access to a scanner or whatnot. Um, but so three years really for those hard copies is, is important. Great. And then our last question really with people that are still working. How should those individuals, when they're filling out their, their tax forms for their withholding from their income, how should they go about determining that? Is that something they should ask an accountant? Is there a general rule of thumb? What are your thoughts on that? So those are very similar to the retiree question and, and figuring out your effective tax rate. Um, what I would say is when the tax code was changed in 2018, they also changed that W-4 form. So it's a little bit more difficult to um, fill out for some reason. It asks you very general questions. Are you married? Um, do you have any dependents? Uh, do you have more than one job? The questions are very simple, but what ends up happening is then it just takes a, a percentage and as you make more money, they withhold more in your paycheck. So what ends up happening is if you have more than one job, it can sometimes get confusing because your income level, say, say you're an individual who makes $100,000, right, in a year. If you made it at one job making $100,000, as you graduated up through the system, 
it would withhold a little bit more in taxes. If you had two jobs where you made 50,000 at one job and 50,000 at another job, it's only gonna withhold up to the 50,000 rate and it's not gonna combine the two rates to make it 100,000. So whether or not you made it with one job or two jobs definitely matters and your withholding matters and so you wanna make sure that you have a handle on it before you file your tax return with 250 and it wasn't enough for you. Got it. Um, and so one of the easiest ways for you to do that is either to look at a pay stub, a current pay stub, or look at your W-2, which is the annual statement for you. And what you wanna do is take the federal withholding and you're gonna divide it by the gross pay and that's gonna give you the percentage of withholding for you. Okay, and you're gonna compare that to what your effective tax rate was in the year before. If it's not high enough, that's when you wanna increase it. Um, so when you go back and you adjust your W-4, you can change the dependents, you can kind of play with it a little bit, but there's also one other additional line in there that says, is there an additional amount of withholding that you want to have? And so essentially, if you're uh, too low, that's where you would put in an additional amount, and then it will take out more per paycheck. So the one thing that we do want to note for clients is a lot of times when we go through the tax process, it's in that uh, February, March, April time frame. So when we're looking for 2023, there's only 26 pay periods throughout the year if you get paid every two weeks. So if you're already three months through the year, you can look at what it is now and extrapolate it going forward, but you want to make sure that 2023 is correct. So if you had a big tax bill in your 2022 tax returns because your withholding was too low, you can adjust 2023, which is great, but you do need to keep in mind that we've already gone through pretty much the first quarter of the year when you've done it. And the one thing with the W-4 is if you adjust that, come the end of the year, you don't refill that out. So it just kind of continues as your job continues. So if you have that additional withholding in there, 2024 may be a year where you might have overwithheld because you added in that additional amount for the whole year. So again, you just kind of want to be um, cautious of it and you do want to take a look at your pay stubs. So again, we're in 2023. A lot of the pay stubs sit in a portal. You don't get that hard copy anymore that was given to you probably when you first started working. Um, and at those times when you actually had a hard copy of it, you may have looked at it. You may have checked your withholdings and whatnot. Now that everything lives in a computer or in a portal system, you don't always look at your pay stub. So it's really, really important as um, an individual, it's your tax situation, to make sure that you have a good uh, handle on your withholding. And if you don't, then you just know that you may have a tax bill at the end of the year. Which always is, is not always a bad thing. You know, you just don't want it to be a big tax bill, right? It's, it's not a bad thing. And I will be very honest, when we take on new clients and we're dealing with clients, one of the first things I want to ask them is, what's your feelings on it? Do you want to owe the government? Do you want to break even? Or do you want to get a giant refund? So it depends on where you want to be, because at the end of the day, the pay is still the same. It just depends on whether or not you got more in your, your pocket now and less in your pay sub, or the opposite. Um, and so really, I mean, I'd prefer a perfect return, which means you really owe very little or you get very little back. Um, but depending on what you want, could be a big refund, could be a big tax bill. Doesn't yeah, matter we, to we me. Have those, we have those same clients, they, they almost like bank on a big refund to do you know, home remodels or a vacation every year. Correct, yeah. And then, like you said, we have the other people that are, their goal is zero, right? They want that perfect return because then they say, we got the right check throughout the year. Correct, and then I get the people who have giant tax bills and, you know, I'm sweating. I've prepared for that phone conversation and I call them and they're like, oh, that's not so bad. And I'm like, <laughs> okay, maybe it's not for you, but someone else, anyone who has a tax bill, sometimes it can be a big burden because at that point you have to come up with cash, you know? Um, and 
with that being said, if you don't have the cash, there's always installment agreements. So that is a big question too from a lot of our clients. Hey, I don't have the money right now. Will they uh, let me pay them over time? They will, so they definitely will. But what they don't want is that snowball effect where you have a large tax bill this year and you can't pay it, then you incur a large tax bill in 2023 and can't pay it, same thing in 2024, and you get in this the snowball effect. Um, and that's where you get into cases where people stop filing taxes and all of this. So you never want that to kind of happen. You kind of want to gauge it uh, and do every year uh, in a silo. Awesome. So I guess with that is preparation's important, you know, and then you're figuring out what you like and, and then you go from there. Great. Yeah. Awesome. So Trish, that wraps up all of our questions that we had for you. I think you provided a ton of information for us, a ton of information for our clients. I think this will be very helpful. Is there anything that else you want to add? Anything else you want to share with anyone? Um, no, the only thing I would really say is you just kind of want to have that open conversation, whether it's your broker or your accountant, uh, kind of keep that conversation fluid and check in periodically throughout the year just to make sure you're not missing anything. Uh, the tax code changes live. It's changing right now. Um, there's a lot of things that are happening and a lot of things that can, can affect your situation. So you're gonna be at dinner parties, you're gonna be out talking with people. Taxes are a big topic right now because everybody is uh, you know, in the middle of a filing season. Um, but keep in mind, uh, just keep those conversations open because things are changing and we wanna be able to give you the best information that we have uh, at, at the current moment. Great, well, Trish, I wanted to thank you for coming in. I really appreciate it and I know our clients will too. Thank you so much. Awesome. Yeah, so that wraps up episode three of Money Equals M Squared. Just a big thank you to Trish Garmican for coming on with us today. And join us next time on episode four, where we're going to go over how clients can utilize a financial plan to better their own situation. So thank you to Trish again. Thank you. The views and opinions expressed in this episode are not necessarily the views and opinions of Satera Investment Services. Any recommendations mentioned in this episode are meant for educational purposes only and should not be construed as advice or personal recommendations. Always consult your financial advisor, tax advisor, or attorney for details related to your specific goals, risks, and objectives. Investments have risk and can lose value. They are not FDIC insured. The situations presented are hypothetical to illustrate key topics and should not be construed as actual client situations or experiences. Lagos Lucas and Torello Wealth Management operates under Satara Investors and is responsible for the production of this show. All views and opinions are solely that of Lagos Lucas and Torello Wealth Management. You should always obtain a prospectus when available prior to investing to know your risk, costs, and fees associated with the investment. The advice and strategies presented today are general in nature and should not be used in your planning until you consult with your attorney and CPA on your specific situation. All of the tax strategies discussed in this episode are the views and opinions of Trish Gormican, CPA, and not specific recommendations. Any specific recommendations on your own personal situation should be brought up to your CPA so they can review your own personal tax situation. Satara Investors is a marketing name of Satara Investment Services, securities and insurance offered through Satara Investment Services, LLC, member FINRA FSIPC, advisory services offered through Satara Investment Advisors, LLC. Satara is under separate ownership from any other named entity. 127 Washington Avenue, second floor west, North Haven, Connecticut, 06473, phone number 203-239-4545. Individuals affiliated with this broker-dealer firm are either investment advisor representatives who offer only investment advisory services and receive fees based on assets, or registered representatives who offer only brokerage services and receive transaction-based compensation, or both an investment advisor representative or registered representative who can offer both types of services.